0: Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call Life in America Today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio
1: Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations.
0: How your expectations go up. So thanks for those uh, emails and texts, letting us know how you're doing. Tonight, we've got a great show for you. But like we always do, we begin the program by letting you know, in case it's your first time, or if it's your second time, you just couldn't believe it the first time. We want you to know the people that make up our co-host team, because they're some of the best people you could ever know in the world. I call them God's finest. I'm Pastor Joe Schofield. They bless my life every week, all through the week. First of all, you probably know we have Dr. Paul Hall, who is a retired pastor and theologian who theologs all week long. And theologues are an important word because what does theolog mean? What does he do, folks? Theologs mm-hmm. researches. Boy, I threw you a twist on that one, didn't I? Get that <laughs> one backwards. <laughs> ah,
1: ah, I know sorry, <laughs> they will
0: finally know. <laughs> Paul, they were Paul. They were worried on that one for a second. Sorry, were, guys. So was I. <laughs> That'll teach you not to write that note down. But anyway, we love, we love Paul. Paul's been a pastor. He's a professor. He's a teacher. He's a writer. He's just about one of the best guys you'll ever know. He's been my buddy and my brother for over 50 years. In fact, we were back there with Moses, you know, when he went around Mount Sinai. But anyway, we had a good time, and it's great to have him as part of our team. We also have with us Now, we're starting in California. That's in Long, Poke. California. I got it right. Longfolk, California. And if we go all the way across the nation and bounce ball to the state of Georgia, we have two wonderful folks there, Dr. Craig and Stephanie Thayer. Stephanie is a well-known health coach and she coaches people on what to eat, how to eat, what to do, and to be persistent and grow in what they do to basically keep the faith. And she has a great faith in the Lord. So when she talks about keeping the faith, she knows how to do it. And her husband is a great surgeon also, actually a specialist in nutrition. He could tell you all about what to eat also, but he's probably our best buddy because he still likes fudge no matter what Stephanie says. So that's important those times of year. you get fudge. A little bit anyway, she's good to us on that. but. Stephanie and Craig live in Dalton, Georgia, and uh, they have an incredible ministry in the lives of just countless people all across the nation on helping them spiritually as well as physically. So it's great to have them as part of our team. We love and appreciate both of them beyond words, just like Paul. Then we take the meter and we bounce it all the way back, going to the middle of America, which we so endearingly call Central America, which is Texas. <laughs> Actually, somebody told me once that... Uh, the United States sits on the state and rests on the leg of Texas, balancing it and holding it up. So, <laughs> since we have a Texas today, I kind of had to say that. We've got uh, coming all the way from McKinney, Texas. We have a wonderful pastor. He's a coach in helping men. He works with uh, a Man in the Mirror out of uh, Florida. Actually, but he's all over the Midwest. He's from Wisconsin. He ran for Congress. He is the United States Marine. He is a man who uh, helps guys become. Guys and real men in Christ Jesus to everyone around them to their families to their wives to their friends to their pastors and to everybody. Ron Greer from McKinney. Ron, it's great to have you on this team. Love and appreciate you, brother. All right. (laughs) We're gonna hear hear a great story from Ron after the show. We'll share it with you later. It's gonna be a great one. (laughs) So anyway, this makes up one of the best groups you ever do. And if somebody texts me just past week or a week before last they said it's kind of like the the old movie butch casting the sundance kid he said where did you find these guys who are these guys well now you know who they are and they're they're a bunch of thorns and the rose in the middle is (laughs) (laughs) stephanie who (laughs) rose among thorns right there we go absolutely care of it hey folks tonight we have (laughs) coming to us again from the great state of texas We have one of the greatest young pastors you're ever going to meet. You met him once, but it's been about a year and a half. Will Hobbs is a graduate of Texas A&M University in Bryan, Texas. He is a graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He served uh, as an associate pastor in in one of the largest churches in America. Uh, I had the the blessing of being able to work with him, too. He was uh, one of the greatest guys I've ever worked with in my life. He now is an associate pastor at Kelview Heights Baptist Church in Midland, Texas, and he'll tell you about that. Oil, Friday Night Lights, you know all about where he is. But he's coming tonight, and he came up with this great idea. He's going to expound on this somewhat for us. We're going to talk with him. We want to, on raising expectations in the year 2020, whether it's your health, whether it's your spirit, whether it's your outlook on life, whether it's your belief in what's happening anywhere, and particularly in your heart your spiritual condition with God. We want to raise your expectations. So we're kind of going with something that Will gave us and a great idea. Will was a great idea, man, when I had the privilege of working with him. He said, how about, we call this tonight, influencing people toward hope. He'll probably share what that word hope means all through scripture. We believe in it because we know the one who created it and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're excited tonight. Would everybody on the team? Would you welcome back with us again after your nap, all the way from Midland, Texas, Pastor Will Hobbs? Will, come on in and welcome to Raising Expectations. Thank you. Good to have you with us. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, Will has a wonderful, beautiful wife named Lauren who loves the Lord, and is, they're just the greatest couple. I remember when they were dating, but we won't go with those stories. But anyway, also he's got two beautiful daughters, Emma and Abigail. We got to meet him before the program. We may bring them all with if we can get them to do that next time, because they are so sweet. But Will, come on in here and tell us a little about yourself and about how you influence people, as I know you do, towards hope.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Joe Schofield. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I grew up, I'm a Texas boy, so I, I grew up near Houston, Tomball, Magnolia, Woodlands area. So just basically Houston, if you don't know where that is. And been here most of my life. Um, yeah, like you said, went to college, uh, got my master's degree at seminary and God sent us out here in the middle of the oil patch and in, in West Texas and have been working with, I had the pleasure of working, like you said, Joe, with you for what, three and a half years. Yeah. And that was great fun. And we, we, uh, had a lot of fun together. We had just <laughs> enough fun where you don't get in trouble. Almost. We, we were right there on the line and, um, right there. <laughs> but it was great. It was a pleasure. It really was. And so then God sent us out here to West Texas. So I've uh, been working with young adults, young singles, young marrieds, all different uh, marital status, uh, different stages of life. Uh, anyone re- basically coming out of high school uh, and that age group, uh, 20s, late teens, 30s, uh, even on a little above that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's been fantastic. We've been out here since 2013. Yeah. And I wanted to talk a little bit about and obviously I want to include everybody in this talk, of course, influencing people toward hope and and really how that breaks down. It's a simple statement. I mean, anyone can grab that as a mnemonic device, as a memory device and say, OK, how can I do this practically? So first off is influencing. We all have influence, whether you realize it or not. I think most Americans, most humans underestimate their capacity for influence. And ministry, you know, people use the word minister as a verb or ministry, and I think that word is used and often not explained, and some people don't understand what is minister, what is ministry, Uh, and so really ministry is influence, Mm -hmm. it's that simple, and so uh, influencing, and just a reminder that all of you listening, look, I don't care what doubts you have, you have a huge capacity to influence and mentor and minister to people, whether you realize it or not. And then so influencing and then people, second word, second point. I mean, we all, we all are designed to need each other to have fellowship with each other, to be around each other, whether it's on a screen, like we're doing right now, which helps accentuate, it helps add to fellowship or it's in person. We need that too as well. And and um, I think part of the reason I attached hope at the end toward hope is that Um, us being around people or the lack of that uh, for many over the last almost couple of years has been, I think that has been a disappointment and people have let go of hope slowly. And sometimes they even haven't even realized that they're doing it. And so since we were created and designed to be together uh, when we're not for extended periods of time, and this video conference is fantastic, but uh, you can't do it all over a video screen. And so when we're not face-to-face, person-to-person, hugging, touching, talking, eye contact, all of that, uh, it's just different. It's not, it's not the same. And so influencing people and then toward hope. Uh, and just to say real quickly about that, uh, the past couple of years, hello. I mean, that's um, Proverbs 13, 12 says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm-hmm. So literally my emotional life is negatively affected when I have something that I'm hoping for, hoping towards, or I don't have hope at all that I'm hoping for hoping towards that gets deferred and delayed and delayed and delayed. And Oh, we're going to do it on this date, but no, we're not. It's delayed. <laughs> Y'all are catching what I'm saying. I'm not uh, trying to be ugly, but to be direct. And so influencing people toward hope. Um, but when desire comes scripture says it's basically like a tree of life. It brings, uh, it changes everything. Mm. So Influencing people for hope. I I thought that would be a good topic for us to talk about tonight. Obviously, I value any of your input as well as as we navigate this and talk about uh, practically how can we do this in other people's lives? Because anybody listening right now, you can. You absolutely can.
0: Amen. Anybody have a question, Ron? You want to go ahead and get a question or a thought? Well,
3: well, that was going to be my first question. Uh, So how how do you see uh, the most practical ways people to sort of influence other folks toward hope, uh, the, sort of, yes. the, the everyday everyday person?
2: Yeah, so I think the everyday person, whether they're, so today I'm going to use the vernacular, Christian, non-Christian, or believer, uh, or a non-believer, and so I, I know we've got both listening right now. So for, for everyone, whether you're a believer in Christ or not, for everyone, I think a huge part of that is just, calling that neighbor that you haven't talked to, but you said hi to when you were passing by, but (laughs) you don't really, Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good. Oh, what are you grilling? I'm grilling burgers tonight. What, you know, the conversation doesn't often go beyond that. So um, inviting them over, firing up the fire pit, if you have that, or cooking around the grill, Hey, bring the kids over, let's talk. And just being in each other's lives, I think is huge And it doesn't have to be complicated. That's the thing. That's the miracle of it. It's simple conversation. It's letting them know you care. It's reminding them that there are other people in the world that are there to help them, to talk to them, to listen to whatever they're struggling with. That right there, for believers, we have a particular ability to do that by the giftedness of the Holy Spirit. But even for unbelievers, Mm -hmm. that right there is I know that's super, super simple, uh, Ron Greer, but in answer to your question, but that's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's just face-to-face conversation. And hey, if someone's being more cautious right now and you want to do that distancing, still there's nothing bad about that. You can you can do that in your backyard. You can grill right. and transfer information and talk to each other and let the kids hang out or not, or whatever, you can do that absolutely outside as well. So
3: man well, well that's good I, I i like it because i, I like the uh, it's part of my uh, my obsession and my <laughs> pet peeve. uh yeah. everybody knows me every neighborhood i know i move in everybody knows that the weird guy <laughs> down the street <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> i i really do i i uh, I'm thrilled to listen to you talk about that because it it is something we don't do uh um one of the things that I try to encourage the people, the guys I work with find a way to position yourself outside and study your neighbors and find any excuse at all to connect with them. Uh, Because, you know, we we live in a community where there are garages and people drive down the street. They drive into the garage and close the door. Uh, So, you people don't know their neighbors. They wave at them. That's about it. So, yeah, I, I like that. Find any excuse at all to talk with them, to share with them. And I'm the weird guy. I walk down the sidewalk casually and I put myself right in the driveway because I figured out they won't close the garage door if you're standing there talking to them.
2: Well, and Ron, just the other day, we had two new people move in by the houses across two of the houses across the street, two right. different families. And it was as simple as, I'm not doing this to say, look at us, but it was simple. It was, as I'm saying this to say how simple it is. It was yeah. as simple as going to, Oh, um, a cake company here in town, yeah. and get them some specialty, small, little sampler cakes. Okay. And my business card, and we wrote our cell phone numbers on my business card uh, and and my wife's as well. And and walked over and knocked on their door, and and then the first thing you say is, "Hey, I promise I'm not a salesman." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you know, because they don't they don't want that. And, uh, and just say, look, we live across the street. I wrote our address on my business card. Here's our cell phone numbers. Uh, here's a gift. Welcome to the neighborhood. If you guys need something, let us know. We're here. I mean, it just starts there. Yeah. How simple is that? It costs 20 bucks,
3: 30 bucks, right. whatever. I hate to hog the conversation. One more question. <laughs> so in your estimation, why don't we do simple things like that? I, 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 I'll, I'll say this also. I'm old enough, antique enough to remember growing up, that was just normal. I mean, there was no yeah. such, it was not a technique you had to learn. Everybody knew everybody. So yeah. what, what has happened that we don't do that? Why is that something that has to be learned and practiced now?
2: What, what do you think? When you find the answer to that, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit of a, of a multifaceted it's answer. A I think I, I don't think I could boil it down to one thing. I think there are multiple factors. Mm-hmm. We get busy and we let our schedules get overloaded. I think that's a significant factor. No schedule balance, okay. no, no downtime in my schedule, no balance in my schedule. So I don't make time to go say hi to my neighbors and some people, you know, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I would say, and, and again, there's multiple factors. Maybe y'all can chime in on, on some. One is quite frankly, what I call a screen addiction. Addiction to screens. I I mean, I'll sit at a red light and I'll watch the people driving through the intersection when mine's red and theirs is green. And I'll just, I'll fix my eyes on one spot just above the steering wheel or or inside of the steering wheel. And I'll see how many of them are on their phones as they're driving through the intersection, looking down at the phones. And I'm thinking, okay, wow. So, uh, yeah. Putting the devices away when I get home, I put my phone on silent and it's in the other room. And I do check it. So if someone needs to get a hold of me, I'm right back with them. But I'm with my family and my phone's not there. And I have the because I know I'm gonna have the temptation to pick it up. And so just things like that, they all play into where we look up, it's midnight, it's bedtime, and we have we and then we a year goes by and we never talk to our neighbors.
0: Man. <laughs> what do you think, Paul?
4: I have a perfect segue. A teenager just walked into our room and literally just put his phone down because it's a distraction to him. And he knows if he gives it to us. So that was perfect, kind of funny. Um, But, you know, as you were, when you first brought up the topic, I had thought about something and then you highlighted it a little bit, which is having downtime. I am a super type A person. And before the pandemic, I had too much all the time and it was all good things, but it was too much. And I honestly got depressed. Like I think everybody did. I didn't get out of my pajamas the first few weeks. And then I realized you have to pull yourself together. And I started embracing being stuck in the quiet. Like he was at the hospital, but we didn't leave the house for two or three months. I mean, California was really locked down. we have groceries delivered. And so it was good for me because it reset priorities But I also realized how much I miss touching people and not in a weird, creepy way, but like I'm a hugger and I need, yeah. Like, and and then you go, Can I have, is it okay? Can I touch you? Like, you know, because people are so weird now. Like, are you just going to fist bump or what are you going to do? But some of my favorite conversations.
5: Only after you bought a power washer that I was afraid of because I get back from the hospital, I thought you were going to use it on me.
4: Oh, but I have a story because we're new to our community. And I said, Hey, I'm going to go to the dump, you know, so I have recycling and uh, these two guys are in the way of where I need to be. And I said, do you mind if I pull in They're Like, no problem. I sat for 40 minutes and talked with these guys, believers, Eagle Scouts, which my sons are like, they invited us over. I mean, just the uh, availability of not being in a rush. Mm-hmm. We had a huge connection and they're seniors and they're retired. And I don't know how many people they interact with on a daily basis, but I've had interactions like that in grocery stores. If I'm not in a rush, it's amazing what can happen in an aisle.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah. I
5: think, I think society has, um, you know, I don't know if just becoming more secular, but I think they clearly think they're in control, right? Mm -hmm. Not God. They may not even think that God's purposeful about everything. Um, So when you start to place yourself number one, you know, you don't need, you don't have, you don't need any help. I mean, if you're on a ship with a bunch of other people in a huge storm, you're praying and you're a team and you're relying on those people for hope. So, yeah, I think we don't have that sense anymore
2: of, you know, teamwork and
0: community
5: community. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah hope is contagious. So we need each other.
4: Yeah. Right. I also think people think it needs to be something big. I have a pretty decent social media following and we have a business because of it. And people go, Oh, but you have members. I said, who cares? One person is one person. And if we're all helping one person, one, you're going to feel better. And two, that person is probably, it's going to be this ripple effect. Right. right. And so That's I think right. sometimes we get caught up in, we have to be the great of whatever and we don't i think just us people that resonate with us and uh just showing a little bit of love
0: right yeah yeah amen i mean i can can think of
5: another experience we we go to honduras every year for medical mission trips and and i'll tell you the biggest thing i did on one of those trips and then after that whenever we had the chance but ricardo's the VP of, of running the whole thing. And we're at an orphanage and he, like what you said, Ron, know, but know your neighbor, know something about them. He knew that I was an orphan. So my testimony began before I was even bored. Mm-hmm. And, um, he used that. He, he, we probably had 30 of us on this trip and he called on me and said, Hey, at this orphanage, can you talk to these kids
0: mm-hmm.
5: about how you were an orphan and where you are now? to give them hope and it was when I, mean, I got on my knees and was humble
0: amen well
1: yeah. let me jump in a little bit okay i've been doing logging while you guys have been talking it's it's been a yes, lot i could see <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like to think and i like to write um well you might want to address this as well um have you found that th- there's almost nothing more desperate than a Christian who has lost their hope? Mm-hmm. You know, ever dealt with Christians who have just they've they've just had enough and broken, broken people and uh, and to to influence them, you know, to share to share what we have. Um uh, one of the scriptures that talks about hope, and, and the Gospels, full of it. But one of the scriptures, when Paul writes in the book of Romans, he says, "May the God of hope, may the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace, uh, as you trust Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit." Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I address this. Have you ever had anybody walk up to you and, and kind of cock their head sideways and say? What in the world makes you tick? You're different. <laughs> What's wrong? What is up with you? Okay. And of course, that opens the door for us to talk about the Lord and, you know, the Holy Spirit. But, but it, it brings me, you know, back to the point. <clears throat> One of the things that, that the Spirit gives us is uh, just this overwhelming sense of joy in the face of unbelievable odds you know, the, the world, I I read a quote today that said, I can't believe we don't have world peace after changing the names on pancake boxes and syrup (laughs) bottles. And, uh, and I'm thinking, boy, isn't that where we are? You know, we are. And so to speak of the hope that's inside of us is, and, and Will, I appreciate what you said. It is contagious. contagious. Uh, People, people want to be around people of hope um Amen. give you a quick quick example my wife and I went to a funeral on Saturday of a uh it was held in a liturgical church which is certainly not my background and uh when it came time to pass the peace, uh I had people walking up fist bumping you know a peace, you know pop like that and I'm thinking boy we've gone a long way from greeting each other with a holy kiss to give each other fist bump you know uh <laughs> And it, but that's Damn. just kind of that's kind of reflective of the world, is it not, you know, looking for hope in all kinds of different directions. And we're the ones who have this wonderful what makes us tick. Boy, can we talk about that, you know, and uh, and so I just throw that out, you know, to 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 think about, because I, I like what you said. Well, it's not that tough. You know, it's it's really not that tough. Uh, but boy, there are it seems like that there are more things attempting to separate us than hold us together, and uh, and it's doing its number. Talk about influencers, you know. Just be watch the news and be influenced. Watch what happens, uh, and and that kind of thing. So I don't know if I've confused you or added to the dilemma, but uh, those are just some thoughts reflecting what's on on the inside of us you know that it's there's nothing false about that it's real and and it and it counts and it and it changes uh attitudes and people and directions and and i just look forward to what god's going to do in the in the mess that we are in (laughs) he's he's up to something grand and it's going to show itself you know so
2: Amen.
1: Sorry for the sorry for the hog there. So. <laughs> no, no. no. no, no, no. Jump, in, Paul. <laughs> Jump in there, Paul. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, well, we talked we talked to a guy today, Will, that I think you might know. He wrote The Erasing of America, Jim Robbins. He's I think he's teaching at Georgetown University in Washington and uh he's a good friend of ours and uh Uh, I I mentioned you, Will, and what you had said. And I said, as long as I've known this young man, he's always been influencing people towards hope and encouraging them uh, in everything I've ever seen him do. And uh, I said, so, Jim, when you come in to hit politics for us, uh, should we start praying for you now? (laughs) And He said, there's hope everywhere. He said, I just got (laughs) to tell you the things that are happening right now to allude to what Paul was saying there. He said that they're out there, you just got to take them one at a time. He mentioned Virginia, he mentioned Florida, he mentioned two or three different things. And uh, as he said these things, and then he said, you got to remember the thing that holds it all together is uh, Christ is the bow on the package, and he's the only one that can open it, and he's got his hand on it. And I Mm -hmm. thought, well, that's interesting, you know. So uh, by keeping the hope, it's a little bit at a time. But that attitude is so much. I mean, you remember what we used to say, uh, everybody who crosses your path during the day ought to be a better person for having spent 60 seconds with you. That doesn't mean brighter, sharper, this or the other, but it simply means they're going to have hopefully the joy of Jesus and a smile on their face because they spend a little time with you and you lifted them up. Like you're saying.
2: Yeah. You you don't look like you're weaned on a pickle. Exactly.
0: (laughs) There's There's
4: that phrase that says you might be the only Bible that someone ever reads, and that yes. hits yeah. hard. I mean, good or bad, because you know you've got a I love Jesus" sticker, and you're like, "How can there people down the road
1: <laughs> not uh-huh. going to look
4: too good?"
3: Not on <laughs> my sticker
4: <laughs> either. I'm just, just saying, shade. I have seen it.
3: <laughs> yes. Hence yes. why I don't put those stickers on my car. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I tell people driving is my weakness. <laughs> my spiritual battle traffic. <laughs> yes,
2: uh,
3: but yeah. I, but well, I also like what you said that the idea that um, everybody influences everybody. Uh, you influence somebody. Uh, none of us are 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 where we are and uh, uh, contact who we are in contact with uh, for just by accident. We really are. Now the and there's no inner world you don't influence the people you're in contact with. All, wow. back to your question, the only question is: Am I influencing them toward hope, or am I d- discouraging them? Because uh, yeah, right. you're going to influence them. You cannot keep uh, keep from influencing them. They're either going to be there to be going to be better for uh, being in your company, or or worse off. Uh, so yeah, I, I I like that because it it is so essentially true, and I think it's one of the essential messages that every especially every believer needs to understand and walk out their house every single day with that foremost in your brain, you leave, you know, okay, God, who am I going to influence today? Who are you going to play my path today? Uh, there should never be anybody that, that meets us that shouldn't have some reaction. Mm. They're either they're ticked off <laughs> because <laughs> you're so weird or they're, they're pleasantly surprised or they're, they're, they're encouraged by and reminded of, of what's in them. Uh, I, I so I I appreciate that man and applaud you for that. Yeah, uh, he
0: gives us the ability to be. What's the old saying there, Paul? Gentle as a as a as no wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove, right? Yeah, wise as yeah, a yeah. serpent, gentle as a dove. But he does it, Rob. Well, I'm sure glad he does it. I'd be worried if i to figure it out.
1: Uh, <laughs> Praise God. Have you all figured out that Christianity is a contact sport? <laughs> have, yeah. have you figured that out? It yeah. is. Yeah. Right. And,
5: and that the bigger the blip you are on the radar screen of Satan, the tougher the storm is going to be.
1: Hello. Uh, 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 you betcha. Oh, man. Just listening to a
4: sermon about the more opposition you're going through, the bigger the opportunity that you have. And it was a correlation with Elijah's life and just mm-hmm. how he's serving God. And then he's completely defeated in here, you know. And a lot of times we don't share what we're going through with people. And I think that's part of what you're talking about, Will, is just. Just that little connection, you being kind to someone might be so much of what they needed yeah. that day. It don't I think people make it harder than it has to be?
2: Yeah, amen. And to yeah. speak to what you're saying, Stephanie, I mean, it's uh, a lot of times when people they just lost a, a loved one, uh, mm. a loved one just died. You're showing up at a visitation or their funeral or before the funeral, or they just uh, their spouse just left, or their kid, something drastic happened in one of their kids' life, anything like that, we think to speak to what you're saying, we think, okay, I have to have the perfect answer. No, you don't. Usually those answers are actually not (laughs) going to (laughs) help. They don't want to hear that, especially right then. They want your presence. They want you there. They want to hear from you. They want to know you care. And simply the fact that you're there speaks volumes. Hmm. You do speak to them eventually, but at first without even saying anything, uh, Hmm.
0: that's, Amen.
2: Yeah, because like Amen. you said, Paul, it is a contact sport. Amen. And what you were saying earlier, Paul, just just a couple of quick things. I heard you use the word brokenness, mm-hmm. and and uh, there was a question wrapped in some there, where in there, and what you were saying. And and mm-hmm. tell me if I'm stabbing at it at all. <laughs> you know, when someone comes to you and they do have brokenness there can be a few different causes. I think one of the, one of the causes it can often be is that God is actually using that brokenness temporary, mm-hmm. temporarily using that brokenness in their life to grow them, to draw them to him, to grab their attention, to pull something out of their life that was harming them, something like that. And so um, that aside, let's say that's not the reason. So set that one aside for a second. Um A lot of times it's just like you said, it's a lack of hope. And so the important thing to remember is to go to two things. Where's the source of hope? Number one, where's the source of hope? Well, it's found in Christ. It's found in the Lord. It's found in a relationship with him. And if I can, in whatever verbiage and whatever reminders, gently and lovingly point people and consistently point people in that direction, like you said, Paul, they go looking in all the wrong places, or you said something like that. You have to know where the source is. And again, that's why this is a contact sport. We're sharing that truth with other people who who just don't know yet. I mean, think about when Jesus grabbed his 12 guys, and there were certainly many other disciples that followed him as well, but uh, poured a, a majority of his time into 12, and then three, even inside that 12, just three. And look at what he did when he first grabbed them. They were clueless. They didn't know they didn't have it all put together. They didn't, he's just said, Hey, follow me. That's it as a simple message. And then the other thing about hope, Paul, I think is to go back to design. And, and you mentioned something like this. So I could put it in, in um, maybe other words of exactly what you said to say that to find hope, you have to, when I said hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, a lot of times when we're lacking hope or when it's completely gone, or we feel that it's gone, or it's been gone for a while, a lot of times the cause can be that we're even fighting the designs, the principles of reality itself that, and we don't even know we're doing it. We're we're hitting our head against a wall known as uh, reality, the way we were wired, the way we were designed. I mean, look, we are wired to do relationships with each other face to face. And when I disob, I, I need to be careful using that word, disobey that design, because listen, okay you know, Stephanie and Dr. Thayer, y'all, y'all mentioned being at home f- for a period of time of a couple months. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a <clears throat> long extended period of time. I can get out, but I'm not going to, when I disobey that, um uh, maybe that's a little bit of a strong word. When I disobey that principle of reality that got hardwired into who we are, it yeah. will have a detrimental effect. It, it must. Uh, and uh, for example, going to work, you know, Dr. Thayer, you were blessed to be able to go to work because you. Well, OK, not to downplay your job, my brother in laws a family medicine doctor. Doctors, cr- incredibly important job. But any job I've been saying this since March of 22. Uh, I can't remember what year it is. March of 2020. I lost the last two years in March of 2020. I've been saying this since then consistently. Um you know, a, an important job, a crucial job, an, an irreplaceable job. Uh, I'm not stabbing on the terms that the media was using mm. a, uh, essential, an
4: essential,
2: essential job, an essential job. And so you're not essential <laughs> that puts food on the table. Any job that puts food on the table is an essential job because why I go back to the, the design back to the principles of reality. God created work to, to, with provision.
3: Right.
2: And, and again, some of us were blessed to be able to go to work during that time. Um, I think my job was considered essential. I defined it as such and went to work, but whether or not it was defined as essential, but, but um, I thought, man, I have too much to do. I'm not, I can't stay here. So uh, that gets back into Romans 13 and, and what the word authorities includes and all the other stuff. But, back to God's design, you you know, those principles of reality are just so important. And if we violate or butt our head against that wall, if we go against those for a long time, back to what you were saying, Paul, that can absolutely quench and damage and hurt uh, my hope. Uh, A lot of men are connected and women too, are connected with their values a lot of times connected with work. And if I can't get out there and work with my hands or my mind or my whatever gifts God gave me, um, Oh, wow. That's certainly going to zap yeah. hope. Um, and a dozen other things,
3: man. man. Well, I, I, I guess I go back to my, to my
2: background, uh,
3: that kind of speaks to the reality, uh, that reality, uh, right. So I, I did, uh, 23 years in prison ministry. Awesome. Uh, so spent a lot of time with, Uh, men in prison and with volunteers training them to go in with training staff and you there's some there's some weird quirky things that people have to learn in those environments you know it's it's a different world and it doesn't and it doesn't it doesn't really operate and function like the world you're from outside and and you try to explain them why that is Mm. why these weird things happen why this weird sort of culture develops and these weird sort of interactions it, and you tell them, well, when you isolate people uh, from other people, uh, mm-hmm. weird things happen in their heads. Right? <laughs> there's nothing there that says this isn't OK or there's nothing to say this isn't normal. So th- these weird things develop. Right. So the guys who were most uh, sort of psychologically and, and socially twisted were those men who were in solitary. When they stayed in mm-hmm. their cells, five by eight or five by six cell, 23 and a half hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Weird sort of, sort, of, sort of things happen in their head, their way of thinking, their conversation, and even some of their behavior uh, there uh, after a certain period of time. And mm-hmm. you go out another, other rest of the population, other part of the population where they may have had two guys in a cell, but they're locked down in this pod where they aren't allowed to go outside. It's the same thing. If you prevent people, from uh having contact and social contact and the relationship with other people mm. uh as you said, will there are some things God designed in us to to take place in relationships. If you violate that and take that away, all sorts of crazy things happen all mm. sorts of crazy things uh mm. it, it's it, it's it's one of those one of those sort of windows you open and doors you open for Satan to come in mm. and do all kinds of crazy things to with you, you know. Uh, one yes. of the, one of the things that that I that I deal with with men on, one is, one one thing that I, the diff, one difference between men and women, generally speaking, when women are hurt, when they are struggling, when there's a loss of hope, they have a tendency that to drift toward other women. Men, on the other hand, just we isolate. It's our first thing to do is isolate. We we go off by ourselves, and it's and it's one of the worst things in the world that you can do, because that's when Satan beats you to death. Uh, you don't have the, the the blessing of other people in a relationship and contact with them that they can influence you and in, and actually get your head straight. Uh, it's the worst thing in the world for us to do. So yeah, I yeah. it it's, it's vitally important and it's it's something God designed. And whenever we violate that, I agree, there are consequences, negative consequences, right. and sometimes dire ones
2: that that cost people their lives. And Ron, think about not talking to your wife for a week. See how that would go, you know? Well,
3: oh, you know, sometimes uh, that's, uh, you know, sort of necessary.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it damages the intimacy. Why is she not it talking does. to you? You have to talk <laughs> to you me.
0: Pen in her <laughs> I said,
4: you know, Ron, you said what you were just saying made me think. I think I think this need that Will's describing is going to continue to be more and more important because there are a lot of people that are lacking structure now, which, you know, we always say, well, our kids need structure. Well, we need structure too. We are meant to work. Yeah. A lot of people think you're not, yeah. there's so much good that comes from that. And I don't necessarily need a paycheck. If you don't need a paycheck, great, but right. the great resignation is happening right now and people are leaving work. And so as you were talking around, I just thought this problem is going to get bigger because people right. have just given up on Showing up, hope, yes. the mess of it. So what are they going to do? They're just going to sit at home? I mean, that's really not good for us.
2: No, at all, <laughs> at all. Yeah, and, right. and, when a, and not to get into politics, but when a system spreads that, uh, that incentivizes and yes. allows that, um, it's going to only make it worse. It yeah. won't help things. It might seem to help things for a month or two or three or even six, right. but in the long run, it will not help things.
3: That's yeah. right. There's a
2: way that seems right to men. <laughs> but the ends there <laughs> yes. hey, of
3: destruction. there's. It just applies to so many different different
2: things. And you're I, right. Yeah, absolutely. I think we. we just had an angel in my room. room. My daughter sneaked <laughs> into my room. What if I didn't hug her for a week? You know, how would she feel? that <laughs> What's wrong with that? What's wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. But it would it would damage the. You know. That's right.
3: Hey, one one of the one of the things that my wife used to love. Uh, uh wanted to volunteer. At, They every hospital in the where they come when they are maternal wards, Mm. they have people who come who volunteer, and what do they do? They just hold babies, Mm. the newborn babies that are suffering from their mothers uh, or something's going on. They they come and they hold them, and they may feed them. But the biggest thing to hold, and you go, why is that? Why is this so important? Because we need human contact, and if from the very first moments of your life on through. You need that if you don't, if you're not hugging someone, you're not touching them, you're not connecting with them. Uh, again, uh, that's contrary to what God's how God designed us. So, yeah, the consequence. And that's what
2: and Jesus says, What did he say? Follow me, hey, yes. come hang out with me. Yeah, yes. let's uh, let's tell some stories, let me tell you some things, let's talk yes. life. Let, yeah, Yes. After yeah, he had his
4: guy gang, yes. <laughs> They're pretty good. Well, I'm, you know, the baby thing, I have friends that have even volunteered at um, some orphanages or like nonprofits, but a great one. If you are involved in a church community and you think you have baby fever or you're not, or, you know, you don't want to go volunteer in the nursery. They are always, always short. Always. And you get to love on that little thing for 50 minutes and then you get to give it back. It's beautiful.
2: right?
4: And you blessed a family with being able to be in service. And also get that break because we all know how exhausting that time is, you know.
0: Amen. <laughs> That's right. you've also probably this. <laughs> hey, well, folks, I'm going to jump in as we turn the, the 220. If this was a, oh, wow. it was a 40 race, yeah, here we go. We're still good. Uh, just, we're just going to have a minute after this. Just want to let you know we uh, we are. Run on your support. And we thank you for those that are giving and supporting this program. What a blessing you are. And I hope we're a blessing to you. And uh, if you would like to donate to this ministry, to this program, to Raising Expectations, all you do is the following thing. We make it real easy. This is what you write down. Just go to this site, BBS Radio. That's bbsradio.com. bbsradio.com forward slash Raising Expectations, bbsradio.com slash Raising Expectations. If you'll do that, you'll see us. And there's a little donation page you can read about everybody. There's a story about them in there. And uh, you can hit that tab. It's PayPal. It's, it's safe. And uh, whatever you give as a gift to us, we use to help the ministry go. Thanks so much. That's my incredibly outstanding donation call. Right, guys? You go ministers. <laughs> We're so good at this. That I always always pass this off to whoever did the finances, not me. But anyway, God's always good. God's always blessing because of you. So we have moving right along now. As one of our old dear professors used to say, Doctor Harris, remember Paul? Absolutely. Moving right along, gentlemen. We've got another. We've got ten minutes. I'm going to need a minute at the end to close it out. So take it off. Go ahead. Nine minutes.
3: So so will. Uh... In your capacity uh, as as a as a pastor, um, what what if, what are some of the mechanisms that you may employ at the church to kind of encourage folk in this way, this idea of influencing folk and toward hope? What what what, what do you what do you think? What do you say?
2: So a core function of our job is found in Ephesians chapter four, and it addresses exactly what you're talking about. It includes other things, but it also addresses what you're talking about. And that is that our job is to equip the saints, to equip the believers, to do the work of the ministry. It's not that we're not doing it. We just teach a class three or four classes a week for an hour, each class. And then we sit back and spin in our chair. It's uh, we're doing it as well. We better be, we better be. And, uh, but, but we're not doing it all. And so that looks like a Bible fellowship class, a Sunday school class Mm. on Sunday morning. It looks like a class we're going through right now. We're, we're splitting it up into thirds Mm. and we site licensed a a documentary, a new one called in his image.
1: Oh, okay. About human sexuality.
2: uh... Have you heard of it? Good stuff.
3: American family. Yes. Yeah,
2: great stuff. So equipping them to be to reach uh people who struggle in that area and not stiff arm and, and push them away, but to reach them in love. And and you to love someone is to want God's best for them in the truth. Yeah. So that's what we're training them in the truth. It can look like a a Wednesday night class. Uh, I'm a constitution coach with wall builders. Oh I heard of them in uh in in uh, Weatherford, Albert area, and then Rip Greens and Dripping Springs. Uh and so occasionally we do one of their classes. We're doing building on the American heritage series later right. uh, next semester. We're going to do biblical citizenship in modern America. And you talk about hope. These guys are mm. talking about, look, we may be disappointed with some things on the federal level, but on the state level and particularly also County and local, there are so many good things happening. Yeah. In fact, their radio show, wall builders, radio show, They have a theme each day, Monday through Thursday. And then guess what every Friday is? Because when we are bombarded by Fox News, when we're bombarded by um, just negative news and stress and statistics all the time, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So guess what they have on Friday, every Friday? Good News Friday. Good News Friday. (laughs) Good News Friday because we need to hear good news. And here's the cool thing. David and Tim Barton, who are uh, co-hosts, father and son, And we had Tim, Joe, uh, Joe Schofield and I had Tim Barton out to Prestonwood to speak one time, did a great job. He came with his wife and uh, they said, look, our stack of papers of good news articles is getting bigger. It's in other words, it's growing faster than we can read it on Fridays. All right. It's just things like that to train our people to say, look, a there is hope. Uh, we're Mm -hmm. shepherds and that should come from, from the Lord through our mouths and B, uh, we're going to help train you to get out there. And this isn't just for you. This is for you to reach other people and to share that hope with them. And to super quickly, Joe, uh, Philippians, this is it real quick. No sermon. Okay. (laughs) Not a sermon. Uh, one of my favorite pastors who mentored me, um, said, you know, you know, the guys, and I love them, the guys that preach for 40, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour. I'm not naming names. Oh, Ron Kerr, There you go. And I teach for that time oh, period. Oh, on guys. <laughs> that's how long my teaching is on Sunday mornings in, in a Bible <laughs> fellowship class, but talking about sermons, those are great. But a lot of times those guys say, well, that's the only way to do it. If you're not preaching for at least 45 minutes, you know, you're theologically weaker or something like that. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so it's uh, Chris Osborne. He pastored in College Station for a while. Now he teaches at Southwestern. And he said, you know, I read through really slowly the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, one of Jesus's sermons. You know how long it is? Eighteen and a half minutes. <laughs> right. It doesn't have to take long. OK, so here you go. <laughs> Philippians four, six and seven. This is it. Be anxious for nothing. But in every well, how in the world I do that? Well, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, so there's gratitude that plays into this, let your requests be made known to God. Tell God about it. He wants to hear. He's not surprised. His feelings are not going to be hurt with whatever you have to tell him, even if it's in frustration. Bring it to him. And verse 7, bring this to him with thanksgiving. Bring your requests to him. In verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it's beyond our ability to grasp how he does this, the peace of God, here's his promise. Will guard, that's a military term, like a sentry standing guard. Will guard two things, your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. My heart's my emotions. Well, it's based in my brain physiologically, but it's my emotions, my heart, and my mind's my intellect, mm-hmm. my thought life, my thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Am I prone to depression? Am I not prone to depression? Thought patterns, habits. Yes. So, he, what did he just say? If you'll do that, God promises to guard the two areas of our life that can lead us astray, that most are most likely to lead us astray, our emotions right, yes. and our thoughts and intellect. And, um, that's such a deep two verses that, that speaks to this issue that, hmm. um, and, and Good speaks man. to your question. Ron.
3: Good stuff. Good, stuff yeah,
5: Good
2: I, uh, stuff. yeah. I like what you read I, and, and what you
5: guys are saying, because one of the things that I started to do a while ago after seeing a movie called the prayer room, mm-hmm. the prayer room sorry. Yeah. Oh yes. Was create a, a create a room. prayer room and, and I'll write them out, you know, and I'll put them on a wall. And it if you write it out, it makes it more actionable, right? So you've committed to it. But what happens is is your kids or Steph will go by and oh I didn't even know you were worried about that.
4: Can we add <laughs> to it? It I'm staring at it right now actually. So and then the kids have added like they love the armor of God. So one of them added a statue over there. You know, so it becomes this communal.
2: Yeah prayer space. Amen. Hey man, it's great it's and great. satan and his minions hate that and that yeah. that puts them in retreat mode mm-hmm. that's right yeah. i mean the only the only time the enemy wins with us in our minds is he's bluffing is when we let him get away with the bluff is yeah. when we don't call that's right hey amen so, that prayer room has mm. i love what dr thayer that movie was excellent yeah no oh. <sighs>
0: we got one and a half minutes. Right. anything you want to say to will anybody
1: I want to thank you for being here. will thanks for sharing yeah, yeah i I pray for you that you know that you um remain strong in a long obedience in the same direction you know as as one guy said uh I like to speak <laughs> to the fifty minute sermons though uh I forget who the preacher was who said sermonettes produce christianets. <laughs> so, uh, just be careful careful <laughs> uh, just kidding with you oh no,
2: I, I know I, sometimes God, that's you. true if he's taken to an extreme yeah <laughs> God, uh, he is so
1: <laughs> faithful and and uh and pray tell us about can you take about 30 seconds or a minute tell us about your church tell us about <clears> your church <throat> could you just
2: We're doing okay. All, yes. all things considered during this time, uh, our our members are fantastic. Our deacon team is amazing. <clears throat> we have a lot of deacons for our size. We have 22, uh, 1, 21 right now. Um, we reelect them every year. They're amazing men mm-hmm. of God. We have we're blessed to have not just ladies that serve. We have a strong female backbone in our church, and that's crucial. But then a lot of churches, that's all they have service-wise, and mm. which is not good. You want to have both. We have both. It's, that's fantastic. So they're growing. They're reaching people. We have. Sl- I would call slow, <coughs> steady growth uh, numerically, but it's not just about numbers. It's about depth, and and so we have depth. Uh, discipleship one-on-one that's one of my biggest things i didn't even talk about that tonight but that's one-on-one discipleship is one of my biggest i try to have anywhere between four and eight guys a week on my calendar good man. Thank our church you. is doing well
0: yes. all right we got just we got just a matter of seconds left here i wish but uh will boy so proud of you it's a blessing every time i see it now we're all blessed watching you and your ministry and Hug your, your beautiful wife and your precious, beautiful little girls. What a blessing God is. And, and uh, Midlands and Kelby Heights Baptist Church, they're blessed to have you there. Everybody say amen. Amen. Bless, amen. Blessed to have you there. And uh, we'll look forward. We're going to have you back so you can talk about some more things. So we'll be back in touch. We've become a program. A lot of people like the regulars we bring in. They they want us to keep them coming. So uh, we'll, just, uh, we'll be back in touch with you again. We love you and appreciate you. Right, guys and gals? Amen. Amen. <laughs> From the thorns Likewise. and the rose, yeah, there we go. All right, Will. God bless and keep you, and Thank we'll, you, Will. we'll look you. forward Thank to you, seeing baby. you. Okay.
2: Thank you for having me. Okay. God, God bless. bless.
0: We're blessed. Have a great week. Oh, Thanks for tuning in, folks, to Raising Expectations. You are special to us, and we hope you've been uplifted. And remember the things that Will shared for you today, as Pastor Hobbs gave those words, and we all shared. We just pray you have the best week you've had in a long time, and 2020 will be a year you got any questions to talk to us call us check us out we're right there on the website get a hold of stephanie and hank and they'll take good care of you too god bless kelby heights baptist church and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you later see you later will god bless bless you guys friends thanks for joining us on this week's program of raising expectations we profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous But most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.